Section 11 of Rough Notes Taken During Some Rapid Journeys Across the Pampas and Among the Andes by Francis Bond Head. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We continued our course together, and descending the hill, came to the district in which the Uspallata mines are situated. The climate of the country in which these mines are situated is what would naturally be expected from its latitude and elevation. The former places it under a hot sun, the latter imparts to it a considerable degree of cold, and as the air is both dry and rarefied, there is little refraction, and consequently the heat and light of day vanish almost as soon as the sun is below the horizon. In visiting these mines in winter, we found the days hotter than the summer in England, when, at night, the water constantly froze hard by our sides as we slept crowded together in the small hut. The whole of the country is the most barren I ever witnessed, and from this singular cause that it never rains there. The soil consists of the decomposed rock which remains on the steep surface of the mountain, and rolls from under the foot like the loose cinders of Etna and Vesuvius. There is no herbage of any sort or kind upon it. A few low resinous shrubs are scattered about, but from the severity of the climate, in most places they grow along the ground. The dead animals which are lying about are all dried up in their skins and have a most singular appearance. Indeed, the whole scene is a very striking example of what a desert the earth would be without water. One of the Cornish miners, after gazing about him with astonishment, took up a handful of the green, barren soil, and looking into it with great attention, he said, Why, surely there must be poison in this ground. We had scarcely passed the mines when the sun set, and although we saw the post-hut of Uspallata, yet we had great difficulty in reaching it. The rest of the party were lost, and did not arrive till midnight. My first object was to get something for our poor mules. There was very little in the plain except hot stones and resinous shrubs. But I learnt from the man that he had a potrero, or enclosed field, full of grass. He began a long story about how much I was to pay. However, I cut him very short and sent him off with the mules, who, poor things, were no doubt delighted with their unexpected supper. We then earnestly inquired of the man what he had for us to eat, and as we all three stood around him, our earnest and greedy looks were an amusing contrast to the calm tranquillity with which he replied, No, I, to everything we asked for. At last we found out that he had got dry peaches and live goats. We put some of the former into a pot to boil, and in process of time the boy who was sent out on horseback with a lasso to catch a goat arrived. The little fellow could not kill it, 
and the man was gone for wood so partly to put an end to the animal's fears and partly because i was very hungry i put a pistol to his ear and in a short time he was roasting on the burning embers at this moment an english lady a child about seven years old two or three younger ones and a party of peons arrived they had with no other protection passed the cordillera and had ridden for twelve or fourteen hours that day in order to get to uspallata the situation of a countrywoman with a family of little children interested us very much and it was pleasing to hear that they had crossed the cordillera without any accident the eldest child who was a very fine boy had ridden the whole way but the other little chubby-faced creatures had each been carried upon a pillow in front of the peons saddles in the history of the hut of villa vicencia i had often heard that in spite of its desert situation and want of comfort an english lady who was passing with her husband to chile about seven or eight years ago had been confined there and had remained there until she and her little infant were capable of prosecuting their perilous journey and when i saw the wretched abode i had often felt how cheerless it must have been for her to have remained there so long the lady who now came to uspallata was the very person whose singular sufferings i have described and the fine little boy was the child that was born at villa vicencia he had been in chile ever since and now the little manly fellow had ridden across the cordillera and was about to introduce his brothers and sisters to the wild hovel in which it had been decreed that he should be born in the morning before daybreak we made preparations for starting some part of the goat was to form our breakfast we had some tea with us and i was very anxious to get some milk but when i asked the man he replied leche no hay with a look that seemed to doubt there being any in the universe the cows he said were four leagues off and that they would not come for a couple of hours have the goats no milk asked i the fellow laughed at the idea however i found out that they had kids and i therefore insisted on his sending the boy for a she-goat this order was complied with and in a short time the boy came dragging a poor creature with his lasso she was altogether scared and was leaping and jumping to get away however our peons helped and she was thrown down upon her side one peon knelt upon her head and one of our men held her hind legs while the boy milked her on one side and then turning her round in spite of her struggles she was milked on the other side they then let her go and happy was she at regaining her liberty after being scared at the uncouth operation she had just undergone the mules were now nearly laden when one of the cornish miners told me that the capataz wanted to put baggage upon the mule which had got a sore back 
and which according to his agreement he ought to have changed at mendoza i instantly went to the capataz and found him with his long knife in his hand actually cutting the poor creature's back preparatory to putting on the pack saddle i told him to desist but he was explaining to me how he was going to place the saddle so that it should not hurt the mule and he was just going to put on a small straw pad when i at once put an end to the argument as soon as the baggage was ready we threw upon it two or three dead sheep and in quitting uspallata took leave of the last inhabited hut on the east side of the cordillera i was steadily riding my mule at the rate of five miles an hour in order to measure by my watch the breadth of the plains of uspallata when we met an old gaucho huntsman with two lads and a number of dogs which at once put a stop to my calculation he had several loose horses over one of which was hanging the carcass of a guanaco he had been hunting for lions and had been among the mountains for two days but had had little sport the gaucho was a fine picture of an old sportsman round his body were the bolas balls which were covered with clotted blood his knees were admirably protected from the bushes by a hide which was under his saddle and which in front had the appearance of gambedos he was mounted on a good horse his lasso in coils hung at his saddle as soon as we stopped he was surrounded by his dogs which were a very odd pack some of them were very large and some quite small and they seemed to be all of different breeds many had been lamed by the lions and tigers and several bore honorable scars i regretted very much indeed that i had not time to follow the sport which must have been highly interesting as soon as the dogs unkennel a lion or a tiger they pursue him until he stops to defend himself if the dogs fly upon him the gaucho jumps off his horse and while the animal is contending with his enemies he strikes him on the head with the bolus to which an extraordinary momentum can be given if the dogs are at bay and afraid to attack their foe the gaucho then hurls the lasso over him and galloping away he drags him along the ground while the hounds rush upon him and tear him the mountains now seemed to be really over our heads and we expected that we should have immediately to climb them but for many hours we went over a plain as dry and barren as the country already described on the other side of uspallata and which wound its course among the mountains at last we crossed a rapid torrent of water and then immediately afterwards came to another which takes its rise at the summit of the andes and whose course and comparatively gradual descent directs the passage and it is on this spot that the traveller may proudly feel that he is at last buried among the mountains of the andes 
the surface of the rocks which surrounded us afforded no pasture and the gnarled wood and the stunted growth of the trees announced the severity of the climate in winter yet the forms of the mountains and the wild groups in which they stood towering one above another can only be viewed with astonishment and admiration although the sun was retiring and the mules very tired we wished to have gone on half an hour longer but the peon assured us we should not find so good a place and pointing to some withered herbage and some large loose stones he earnestly advised me to stop saying hay aquí pasto bueno para las mulas y para su merced buen alojamiento hay agua aquí hay todo here is pasture for the mules and for your excellency good lodging water and everything we therefore dismounted near a spring and having collected wood and the miners having cooked our supper we lay down on the ground to sleep the air was cool and refreshing and the scene really magnificent as i lay on the ground upon my back the objects around me gradually became obscure while the sun which had long ago set to us still gilded the summits of the highest mountains and gave a sparkling brightness to the snow which faded with the light of day the scene underwent a thousand beautiful changes but when it was all lost in utter darkness save the bold outline which rested against the sky it appeared more beautiful than ever the peon who was always very active was up long before daybreak and we were awakened by the bell mule and the others which were now collected we got up in the dark and as our party were preparing to start the group though indistinctly seen by the blaze of the fire was a very odd one the three miners were eating their breakfasts seated on loose stones round a large fragment of rock which served as a table their elbows were squared and they were eagerly bending over the food before them the peons with their dark brown faces and different colored caps handkerchiefs and ponchos were loading the carga mules some of the party were putting on their spurs others were arranging their toilet the light was now faintly dawning on the tops of the highest mountains and the snow was just discovered lying in large patches and ridges the bottoms of the ravines were in dark shade and white windy clouds were flying across the deep blue sky for some moments all was silent however as soon as the mules were ready we mounted and we were off before we could distinctly see but the mules picked their way and continually ascending by a path covered with great stones and impracticable to any animal except a mule we continued to follow the course of the great stream which was a torrent roaring and raging and altogether impassable the sufferings of the poor mules now attracted our attention they had traveled from mendoza with but little rest and little food still they required no driving but were evidently making every possible exertion 
to keep up with the mule which carried the bell. Occasionally the carga would require adjusting, and the peon, throwing his poncho over the creature's eyes, would alter it, while the rest continued their course. But the poncho was no sooner removed than the mule, trotting and braying, joined the troop, never stopping till he came to the bell. On the road, the number of dead mules, which indeed strew the path from Mendoza to Santiago, seemed to increase, and it was painful to see the living ones winding their path among the bones and carcasses of those who had died of fatigue. By the peculiar effect of the climate, most of these poor creatures were completely dry, and as they lay on the road with their hind legs extended and their heads stretched towards their goal, it was evident from their attitudes that they had all died of the same complaint. The hill had killed them all. After passing one or two very rapid torrents, we came to a mountain which was one precipitous slope from the top to the torrent beneath. About halfway up, we saw a troop of forty guanacos, who were all gazing at us with great attention. They were on a path or track parallel to the water, and as the side of the mountain was covered with loose stones, we were afraid they would roll some of them down upon us. On the opposite side of the water was one of the most singular geological formations which we had witnessed. At the head of the ravine was an enormous perpendicular mountain of porphyry, broken into battlements and turrets, which gave it exactly the appearance of an old castle, on a scale, however, altogether the subject of a romance. The broken front represented in a most curious manner old-fashioned windows and gates, and one of the Cornish miners declared he could see an old woman coming across a drawbridge. As I was looking up at the region of snow, and as my mule was scrambling along the steep side of the rock, the capataz overtook me and asked me if I chose to come on, as he was going to look at the Ladera de las Vacas, to see if it was passable before the mules came to it. He accordingly trotted on, and in half an hour arrived at the spot. It is the worst pass in the Cordillera. The mountain above appears almost perpendicular, and in one continued slope down to the rapid torrent which is raging underneath. The surface is covered with loose earth and stones, which have been brought down by the water. The path goes across this slope and is very bad for about 70 yards, being only a few inches broad. But the point of danger is a spot where the water, which comes down from the top of the mountain, either washes the path away or covers it over with loose stones. We rode over it, and it certainly was very narrow and bad. In some places, the rock almost touches one's shoulder, while the precipice is immediately under the opposite foot, and high above the head are a number of large loose stones, 
which appear as if the slightest touch would send them rolling into the torrent beneath which is foaming and rushing with great violence however the danger to the rider is only imaginary for the mules are so careful and seem so well aware of their situation that there is no chance of their making a false step as soon as we had crossed the pass which is only seventy yards long the capataz told me that it was a very bad place for baggage mules that four hundred had been lost there and that we should also very probably lose one he said that he would get down to the water at a place about a hundred yards off and wait there with his lasso to catch any mule that might fall into the torrent and he requested me to lead on his mule however i was resolved to see the tumble if there was to be one so the capataz took away my mule and his own and while i stood on a projecting rock at the end of the pass he scrambled down on foot till he at last got to the level of the water the drove of mules now came in sight one following another a few were carrying no burdens but the rest were either mounted or heavily laden and as they wound along the crooked path the difference of color in the animals the different colors and shapes of the baggage they were carrying with the picturesque dress of the peons who were vociferating the wild song by which they drive on the mules and the sight of the dangerous path they had to cross formed altogether a very interesting scene as soon as the leading mule came to the commencement of the pass he stopped evidently unwilling to proceed and of course all the rest stopped also he was the finest mule we had and on that account had twice as much to carry as any of the others his load had never been relieved and it consisted of four portmanteaus two of which belonged to me and which contained not only a very heavy bag of dollars but also papers which were of such consequence that i could hardly have continued my journey without them the peons now redoubled their cries and leaning over the sides of their mules and picking up stones they threw them at the leading mule who now commenced his journey over the path with his nose to the ground literally smelling his way he walked gently on often changing the position of his feet if he found the ground would not bear until he came to the bad part of the pass where he again stopped and i then certainly began to look with great anxiety at my portmanteaus but the peons again threw stones at him and he continued his path and reached me in safety several others followed at last a young mule carrying a portmanteau with two large sacks of provisions and many other things in passing the bad point struck his load against the rock which knocked his two hind legs over the precipice and the loose stones immediately began to roll away from under them 
however his forelegs were still upon the narrow path he had no room to put his head there but he placed his nose on the path on his left and appeared to hold on by his mouth his perilous fate was soon decided by a loose mule who came and in walking along after him knocked his comrade's nose off the path destroyed his balance and head over heels the poor creature instantly commenced a fall which was really quite terrific with all his baggage firmly lashed to him he rolled down the steep slope until he came to the part which was perpendicular and then he seemed to bound off and turning round in the air fell into the deep torrent on his back and upon his baggage and instantly disappeared i thought of course that he was killed but up he rose looking wild and scared and immediately endeavored to stem the torrent which was foaming about him it was a noble effort and for a moment he seemed to succeed but the eddy suddenly caught the great load which was upon his back and turned him completely over down went his head with all the baggage and as he was carried down the stream all i saw were his hind quarters and his long thin wet tail lashing the water as suddenly however up his head came again but he was now weak and went down the stream turned round and round by the eddy until passing the corner of the rock i lost sight of him i saw however the peons with their lassoes in their hands run down the side of the torrent for some little distance but they soon stopped and after looking towards the poor mule for some seconds their earnest attitude gradually relaxed and when they walked towards me i concluded that all was over i walked up to the peons and was just going to speak to them when i saw at a distance a solitary mule walking towards us end of section 11